You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Making Money Online is sponsored by Nicola J. Rowley PR, helping entrepreneurs and brands get visible through strategic storytelling. If you're serious about being seen and impacting the lives of others, harnessing the power of PR is the best way to grow and scale your business. Visit njrpr.com for more details and read Nicola's best-selling book, The Power of PR. Hello, welcome to this week's episode. And guess what? It is the 100th episode of Making Money Online, which blows my mind. How can it have been 100 episodes already? I remember starting this podcast and thinking, what will I talk about? <laughs> like, what if I don't like doing it? But I've absolutely loved it. And so many of you write to me every week and tell me that you listen to every episode and that you feel like you know about me and my life and, you know, the people that I interview. And so I wanted to do a more personal episode for the 100th one and give you a life update because a lot has happened in the last year. Like it's probably been one of our biggest sort of years over the past one to two years since we started this podcast. And so I've brought Sam on. Sam did do an episode in the very early days. Sam is my husband and he works with me. So he kind of came on before and we talked a bit about how we manage the work-life balance together. Um, but so he's much more involved in the business now. And obviously our life and business has just merged into one big thing because of everything that's happened. And a lot of you will know because you're in my world in other places that you know, about my, I got bad health and Sam got cancer. And so we're going to talk through that. And we've asked you guys to give us some questions that you really want to know about when we did this episode. And so many of the questions were about health. And so we're going to cover that. And I'm going to answer some of the other questions that you've put on. So can I just butt in a minute? Yeah, you can butt in when you like. Oh, as per normal. Um, I like the way you said, so when I started this podcast, I didn't know if I would like it. Yeah, good one. Like you didn't know that chatting away about stuff for half an hour every week would be something you might I know, not like. But I thought it'd be like pressure. Like oh, come oh, on. I have to do one once a week because everyone's expecting one. Well, you, you know, this is a very uh, objective opinion and observation. You quite like talking, don't I do you? Like talking. And you quite like sort of being centre of attention as well, don't you? So <laughs> it's not the world's worst thing for you to do. I do it? sometimes feel like I'm on the radio. You know, when I was little and I really oh, wanted to be on the radio, that's how I feel. Lining up the next record. Yeah. This is Pepsi and Shirley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. like that. It that's would have been would... them as well, probably. It would have been them. That's exactly or, who I would uh, say. Or Scat Cat and Paula Abdul. I love that. Well, I know you do. It's a track. Yeah, oh, you know all the words, don't you? I know all the words, especially <clears> to the rap. That's for another podcast. <laughs> what, me rapping? <laughs> Never. Please, no one ever suggests Let that. me tell you about something that happened. <sighs> we were in um, my hometown mm. of Stamford in Lincolnshire, and I decided that we were going to do karaoke. Sam is a really good singer. I'm he, not, you really. are. Well, you, you've been a singer in a band. Yeah. Like, that kind of oh. counts. Um, and I'm not a very good singer. And I believe when drunk that I can rap. I'm probably wrong, but I believe I can. And so I said, right, let's do a karaoke. Let's do one together. What's the duet? And we decided to do... Stan. Yeah, it was Stan by Eminem. Yeah. And I think thoughts... Um... Well, what, what happened was <laughs> you started off doing the, the Dido bit, the singy bit, Tea's Gone Cold, 
and I was then doing Eminem. And then I was flipping between, where's he from? Boston. Yeah. A Boston accent and like a Surrey kind of woken <laughs> accent, which was awful. And even I was cringing. But then you decided to swap roles and you would do the rapping. Yeah. In, with the kind of gun hands movements and all that. It was awful. And still now it gives me like that hot feeling when I think back I about think it. I think I was brilliant. I know you do. Trust me, you can rap vodka. That's what this is. <laughs> Right, let's talk about the last... Actually, before we talk about the last year, a lot of these questions say, how did you and Sam meet? And what does Sam do for a living? So how we met, we both worked in the same place. I was the personal assistant to the CEO. And what did I do? Something to do with... I still don't really know, but it was something to do with grass and trees. Grass and trees, yeah, grass, grass and trees. I was the uh, estates contracts manager. No one knows what that means. Grass and trees. You looked after the people that did... The grounds maintenance and the cleaning. Because it was a housing association that we worked for. Yeah, yeah, so I'd run those contracts. But we were on completely different floors. And when we first met, we were both in other relationships, other marriages. So we didn't really have much to do with each other. But I do remember thinking that he was hot. And And I remember that. But we, you know, you know you can't. You can't. You can fancy people. You can't do anything that else. That was it, wasn't it? And we had a laugh, and we kind of got on well. We got on well, as far as it and that was it. Really, we were just friends, and we weren't even very close friends, Not really. really. No. And then we had mutual friends. I think is what did it. Yeah. Like in the middle, friends that you knew at work and I knew at work, and then that is what happened. Yeah. And then eventually, we were both without partners, and very quickly um, afterwards, I thought. I'm going to, like, make a move. <laughs> Which is a good job, because me being the king procrastinator, it would have been going on forever. Otherwise. You were rubbish at it. Oh, no. Do you know how bad you are when I was flirting? You called me mate. I did call you mate. And there was also the time when you did that game where you had to uh, describe people Yeah, we were in word. a circle. We were in a circle. It was a Christmas party. Um, and we were in a circle at work with about seven different people. And the game was that everyone had to describe... Uh, like the personality trait of the person and me and Sam were in the same circles and you know me I had to say what I think and so we'll go around the circle and it got to me and what was your word for I me? I said you were gregarious I think I don't think I knew what it meant at the time I thought oh. it was probably a bad thing that means you're kind of outgoing and kind of a big personality and confident I was quite disappointed by that oh word. no I see that now and then it got to me and they said what's your word with Sam? And I was brave and just said hot. And he had no idea what I genuinely to do. was thinking, do I look hot? <laughs> uh, have I got my jumper on? Am I sweaty? Are my cheeks red? I genuinely thought that. And it took me at least two or three minutes for going, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, I see. I've never seen anyone like look so sheepish and not know what to do. But it's because I'm gregarious. That's and why that's I did That's probably that. why, yeah. <laughs> so that's how we met. Mm. And then we were at a... A darts night, one night, and we were, I'm not very good at darts, and Sam is. And um, I think I did quite well, though, on that particular occasion. Well, no, here's what you did. God, this could be a long podcast, couldn't it? You, um, <laughs> every time you threw the darts, you waited for someone to go to the board, take your darts out for you, and carry them back to you. Well, I'm not going to do it. Well, exactly, but that's not kind of how darts work. But immediately I got a fairly good idea of your kind of, uh, your kind of outlook on life. <laughs> If you if you wait long enough, someone does it for that you. That still applies today, doesn't it? Yeah. Hotel lobbies, cars. Yeah, it does. Mm. Um, and so then that's how we met, and that's how we started going out, and the rest is history. Ten years, nearly. It's ten years. Somebody's written here, 
about you with the kids. Does Sam, oh, by the way, the thing that Sam does for, for us is he's our copywriter. So he helped with my book, for instance, um, and with the sales pages and with the launch emails and all of those kind of things. That's what Sam does in the business. But this says, does Sam cover a lot of childcare? And how is that for him since he is not the biological dad of the twins? I do cover a lot of childcare. Um, that's an interesting question. I've never really thought of it that way. I mean, I had two boys of my own. It's a story for another day. I haven't seen them for a long time. They're, they're grown up now. So I've always been used to bringing up kids and specifically boys. And I, I don't know. I, I never really thought thought twice about it. And I don't see them any differently to how I would see my own sons. Well, they now. were only, what, 18, 18 months, months ish. old? Yeah, something like that. So they've never known anything other. I'll tell a little story that when they went to school, when they were, I don't know, probably only four or something, and um, they came home and they said, did you know, some of my friends only have a mummy and a daddy. They don't have a Sam as well. And they, they thought that everyone had a mummy, a daddy and a Sam. So that's how it kind of ingrained in them it's always been. So I I feel, if I'm honest, sometimes sad that there's not part of me in them, but then you get into the whole nature-nurture argument about what, and, and they definitely, especially I would say Finn, has become more like me yeah, he's since very I've much been like around. Yeah. Um, and they definitely inherit your opinion. So yes, I love doing it. Yes, there are times when I could happily um, sell them to the circus, <laughs> and uh, but I would do anything for them, so... And yeah, he does do and always has done since they were 18 months old. Uh, the majority of the childcare and the majority of, you know, taking them to the dentist and sorting out the things they need. And he was in the school WhatsApp until it became too much because oh. they thought he was a girl. And There's more stories about that. Again, we, we could fill another podcast yeah, just with that WhatsApp we group. We could. Um, but yeah, it... it it's just how it's always been. And I needed that because we're a team and I can't do the things I do unless somebody is taking the responsibility of the children because how do people juggle that? And I couldn't do the things you do. So it's just about utilising your skill sets. Yeah. In work and play, utilising your skill sets to, to get the best out of both of you. Let's talk health because it's come up so many times on these questions. So I'll start with my health. So as most of you no, for the past three and a half years, I've been battling all sorts of conditions, autoimmune conditions, things that they don't even know what they are, heart problems, which are now turning out not to be heart problems, but they told me that they were, stroke symptoms, like all sorts of things have been going on. And I've been in every A&E that you could possibly imagine in the world, <laughs> like every time um, somewhere eight I end up. Eight countries, yeah. probably. Just like in random places, including the Orkneys and like Mexico Malta, and <laughs> Iceland. Yeah, crazy places. So we've got to this point now where the health anxiety of having all these things and not knowing if I was going to die constantly was actually the thing that was making me more stressed and I think causing some of the problems. And so recently, after being told I had myocarditis and then pericarditis and then that somebody else gave me a a diagnosis of nothing at all and said that those two diagnoses were wrong. And this is the problem with private sector. They test you for everything um, and then give you a diagnosis kind of like on the balance of probability. And then I recently went to the Mayo Clinic and said, look, I need, 
I need to know a, a diagnosis because I haven't exercised for 18 months. I'm scared all the time that I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm scared that I'm having a stroke because of all these head symptoms. And for once, the cardiologist said to me, I've read all of your notes. I've ca- I keep every piece of paper, but like a file as big as your arm. And she'd read through all of them. And she spent an hour with me and said, I do not believe you have any kind of heart condition. I think that if you go to a cardiologist, they're going to do every test and they're probably going to give you a diagnosis. If you go to a lung doctor, they're going to do every test and give you a diagnosis, which is why you've got so many diagnoses now. She said, I actually think that where you should be looking is autoimmune because something seems to be affecting your whole body. Like sometimes it'll feel like a heart attack. Sometimes it'll feel like you're having a stroke. You know, sometimes it's bladder issues. I've talked about that on here before, about my my chronic illness there. And she said, that could all be the same thing and you need to look deeper into the autoimmune. But she did say that there's no one very good in the UK dealing with autoimmune. So she sent off all my stuff, my tests and everything to America and we're going to look into it there. But I think, like, touch wood... I feel like since I've been doing a bit of exercise and since I've been less stressed about having a heart attack, because she told me it definitely wasn't that, I feel like I'm a little bit better and I'm not having the symptoms so much. So hopefully I'm on the right way up, but I do know how these things work and I can have two weeks of feeling brilliant and then a week where I can't get out of bed. And that's really hard when you're running a business. And I know I've done a podcast on that before, but sometimes, and Sam will tell you this, I can't do anything. I'm amazed you do what you do. And I think you're right to be tentatively optimistic because there are positive signs. There was also you're drinking less, not that you're ever drinking loads, but you're drinking less. Your diet is better, I would say. You are doing some exercise. Um, And perhaps that overarching stress that was hanging over you, to have that consultant say to you, look, I think you can exercise. I'm not saying there's not stuff going on with the autoimmune, but I think you can exercise. It's giving you a, a small bit of freedom and encouragement and optimism that you might not have had before. Yeah, because I think it was actually causing, like proper triggering my depression. And that just makes everything worse because then it's stress. Then stress starts being the problem and that's a whole other ball game. And I think it all just mixed up together, but let's just keep our fingers crossed there. Yeah, and yeah. then while all that was happening, <clears throat> Sam got this diagnosis. Now, Let's talk about how that happened because somebody has asked on here, what symptoms did Sam have to make him go to the doctor and get a cancer diagnosis? Shall I tell them what symptoms I had? Yeah. Absolutely flip all. No symptoms. Nothing at all. I was healthy-ish, carrying a little bit more weight than you would like, but I was 52. I was all right for my age. I thought I was quite fit and healthy. You went to the gym. I went to the gym. And, And bearing in mind this was prostate cancer, I weed very well <laughs> which, which, you know i don't want to be too crude and and basic here but that's the major sign really is that you don't wee properly if for any any anyone who wants to know you can look it up um, but all of that was fine um the only reason that we even knew about it is because i was having all these health issues and so i booked in for one of these really expensive all day mot's at a hospital i actually put it on instagram and people were uh, i did a whole day on all the tests that i had um and it was literally top to bottom and i said to sam well you may as well come and I've been the traditional bloke went, oh, I don't need to do that. I'm just going to compartmentalise that like I do with everything important. Because you were fine. You were like, I haven't got any symptoms of anything. Why would I go uh, to a doctor? But, but I did. So, and um, yeah, that, so 
I had all the tests done, all the scans, lungs were fine, blah, 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 all of that. Um, try not to drink so much whiskey. Don't smoke the old <laughs> cigar that you have, all of that stuff. And then he said, oh, do you want me to check your PSA? I was like, I don't know what that is. And he said, well, it's your prostate check. And you can probably guess the way he was going to check that. And it, it's most, a lot of men are nervy about it, but it's five seconds of your life and it's done and dusted. So but then he said, okay, that feels fine. But your PSA reading on the blood test is a little bit high. So I suggest you go to see a urologist. So I did. Um, and then I did another scan and that showed some bits on there that looked a bit dubious. So then I had a biopsy done and that confirmed that there was cancerous cells in my prostate. Um, and then the urologist said, well, the easiest way is it's quite early days. Let's take it out. Because the issue was if you get it when you're younger, and you know, normally people get this at 65, 70. If you get it when you're younger, it's much more aggressive. It mm. grows quicker. And actually, when they took it out, it had grown. If you if you get this when you're probably in your 70s, the, the usual route is to monitor, observe, study. They don't do anything, really. They won't give you any radiotherapy. They won't do any surgery. Because being blunt about it, there's a chance that you'll go before the, the cancer gets you. If you, yeah. So that's kind of what they think. So so they took me in, did this operation. Honestly, if you're interested, look it up. It's a robotic prostatectomy. And basically this machine looks like something from the Death Star in <laughs> Star Wars. It's unbelievable. So the surgeon sits in a corner in a little booth controlling this thing from like 20 feet away while this six-armed droid goes in there into six little holes across your belly and whips it out. And so then it then the prostate was out, and then you have to wait about three months yeah. before you know if it's worked or not. And they were probably that was probably the worst it was time. Hard. And it's horrible. I mean, it was I won't sugarcoat it for anyone. Um, the the two weeks after are pretty grim, probably the roughest I've ever been. And Lisa will know that, you know, I'm not normally one for sort of wallowing around. Well, there's but... a lot of stuff like you have a bag that you wee into and you have to change. Oh, it's the first time I've ever had to change a wee yeah, bag. Yeah. It's like that kind of stuff that you don't really think about that you have to deal with. And then once you start recovering, and it's a bit like recovering from a C-section, like, you know, when you can't like, then, you can't sit up and uh, things, but a little bit worse. Um, so, so yeah, and the, uh, but I would say, looking back on it now, it doesn't seem... It's a weird thing to say. It doesn't seem as major as it did at the time. And I know that's often the case. Those couple of weeks were horrible. But if I look back now, I'm pretty much exactly where I was before. I've got no after effects. I had my PSA checked. It's gone now. So, you know, it, all of you would know of cancer. It's not cured. It's in remission. So I have to be checked every six months, five years, every year after that. But there's no reason for that to come back. So the major message to come out of this, and I am a bit of a, a stuck record on this is any bloke, anyone whose partner um, is approaching 50. Once you're over 50, you can get the PSA check free on the NHS. Just go get it done. I promise you it's a blood test. It takes two minutes of your day. Um, and whilst it's not 100% accurate, it is generally the most reliable way to find out if there's a chance you've got prostate cancer. Yeah, you don't have to have the finger up the you bum. You don't thing. have to have the finger up the bum, <laughs> which, again, is not that bad. But people are scared of it, people aren't scared. they? And understandably, I get it, I get it. But the PSA test is a blood test that they do. They can do it in your GP's clinic. Job done. Yeah, so when you get towards 50, just go and get it done. I, yeah. I badger my mates, and so many of my mates have now had it done. And brilliantly, so far, none of them has come up positive. So fantastic, but... Just go get it done. Because the issue is, 
47,000 people, mm -hmm. men, mm -hmm. in the UK have it. Every year. Diagnosed every, every year. Diagnosed every year. And the problem is most of them don't have symptoms. So let's just say Sam was stage two cancer. If Sam hadn't, it, let's say Sam had waited until he had symptoms and didn't go and get checked that day for no reason at all, it might have been too late. Oh, I'm so grateful that I, uh, partly to Lisa for making me do it, partly just to, I don't know, what you're going to call it, luck, karma, I, I know, it could be whatever you want to call it, that I went to have it because it could have only been a year, would have made all the difference. And yeah. then I wouldn't be sitting here talking about how I'm free of it. I could be sitting here telling a very different story. And that's the thing. So get it checked out. 100%. Um, what are the questions did we have on here? There was a lot about health. Oh, about the house. So, yeah, over the past year, we've been wanting to move into, like, a dream house for years, but we knew we'd have to take it slowly because you don't want to put a load of money. Like, this is a multi-million pound house we moved into, and you don't want to take all the money out of the business and, and rush into doing things. So we did it cautiously. And finally this year found that home, and we bought it, and then spent three months in rented accommodation while it was done, like interior-wise, because it was a bit old-looking, um, to our exact kind of style. And someone else has actually asked on here about the house, and they've put, like, who's who chose what? And what personality does it most reflect? Because it is quite a... We have done the interiors of the house quite differently to how most people do it. It's very bold. It was very bold. Every room is different. Every room is quite, has its own personality. Um, and we were chatting about this the other day, weren't we? That we're kind of fortunate. We don't agree on everything in life. I think music immediately, <laughs> food immediately, um, kind of holiday destinations. Where are we going to live? <laughs> but one of the things we do seem to agree on pretty much every detail is interior design and yeah. art, which is quite mad. So, Lisa will say, what about if you made that big TV uh, unit in the middle of the sitting room, bright orange? And I'm like, that's amazing. Whereas, Which is weird because most people wouldn't like no, that version wouldn't. of style. Most people don't like, wouldn't like all of our art. We've got a seven-foot-tall melting lollipop in our hallway. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, I can think of a couple that have come to our house have gone, uh, uh. <laughs> right, what, what's going on there? Oh, it's a giant melting lollipop. Okay, right, see ya. And, that you know, that does happen fairly often yeah but we like it but we seem to have the same taste we not not bigging us up but we seem to be quite good at it a lot of people have said who's your interior designer haven't they and he's like we, we, we love it when it. they say it. we're like no one we yeah. did it and the beauty of it is i mean i'm gonna hop back to what you said about a multi-million pound house firstly how the flipping it has that even happened i still feel like i'm some kind of like little uh, intruder into this world and I shouldn't be living in this house. You think where we oh, lived five we'll, years ago. <clears throat> I think we'll always feel like that because yeah. five years ago, obviously we were in debt. Well, six years ago we were in debt. Yeah. And when we were first trying to get a house, we were like, we're never going to be able to afford to buy anything. Well, no one would give us a mortgage at the beginning. No, of because we, we weren't on any enough money. money. We didn't have any savings. So we had our tiny little two-bed house, which I look back on very fondly. Me too. But... Um, the the journey to here is just 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 madness, isn't it? Yeah, and sometimes we just sit there and go, we go, how does this even happen? I was going to say something else, but I've forgotten now. Something about the the decor and stuff like that. But we, I know what I was going to say because it sort of relates to that. I like that we've got some things in this house that were like a tenor, 
just because yeah. we just bought them because we love them we and we them. still do that yeah but then there are other things that are quite expensive but you don't just go and say i want that because it's the most expensive i think we go over our hearts and that comes through in in how it looks we've never been and i don't think we'll ever be ostentatious we buy things that we if we like things and it's as simple as that yeah. and your money mindset is getting much better yeah, it's getting better i don't go straight to the sales rack in you're the still a bit shop. weird about it like i'll like buy something it's a really funny thing when i was in paris I went to Paris for the weekend and Sam went to, I think it was Cornwall or somewhere like yeah, that. Was, yeah. And we were both like at train stations or airports. And I I bought a £4,500 Prada coat. And I texted Sam and said, oh, I've just bought this gorgeous Prada coat. And he's like, how much is it? I was like, it's £4,500. It's really worth it. It's lovely. He said he'd just spent like half an hour feeling guilty and deliberating because he'd bought... Oh, I know what it was. Whiskey. It was, I went to Norway with Andy. That was it. And I was at the airport and I spent 150 quid on a bottle of whiskey, which is the most I've ever spent on a bottle of whiskey. And I felt kind of riddled with guilt about spending that on a bottle of whiskey. Did you feel better when you knew how much my coat I felt was? better when I drunk it. <laughs> I felt very good then about it. But yeah, yeah, but I do think your money mindset is getting better. And my money mindset is getting more balanced because I think I was too far the other way. Like, let's go on holiday and spend yeah. 70 grand. And yeah. you're always a bit like... Why? I've said this a lot of times. It's all about value. Yeah. If you can get value from a travel lodge, you can get value from. We stayed in your Premier Inn. We did stay in a Premier Inn. Premier Inn. A Premier Inn. What do you call it? Premier Inn. Premier Inn. Premier Inn. Now we're going to do that weird thing, aren't we? (laughs) But yeah, it's just about value. A Weatherspoon's breakfast is really good value. You know, a a steak in Goodman's is good value because it's great. It, It doesn't. It's not about price. It's about value. That's so true. And that's we're teaching the boys at the moment about money, and it's really difficult because they've grown up thinking the the money we make and the money we spend on things is normal. Mm. And it's trying to teach them without giving them money mindset issues that it's not that normal. Yeah, it's hard because neither of us had that much growing up, did we? So we quite like having the opportunity to give them stuff and experiences and go to places, but at the same time. We want them to understand how fortunate they are and to be grounded. Most of the time, I think we're doing it. People give great feedback when they speak to them and say they're very polite and they're yes. kind of, you know, grateful. But we get it wrong sometimes. And sometimes we think they say things that make us cringe. And, oh, God, you know, don't they? Like, so. we were on a train once when oh. Finian was like four and he said, he didn't know, but we are on a train and we were just talking and he was like, Mummy, and he's got this little posh voice. I don't know why, bear in mind how I talk, I how you talk, and his dad is Irish. I know, but he sounds it's really very weird. posh. Yeah. And he said, Mummy, do you remember when we had afternoon tea at the top of the shard? The and shard. both of us just wanted to melt. Into- the whole train carriage was like, oh, here we go, one of them. One of those kids. We were like, no, we're really normal. We're really normal. <laughs> but yeah, that's what it was like. Um, what else has happened in the last year? Well, I'll tell you what happened. We won a defamation case oh, yeah. in the High Court. And that was an interesting ride, wasn't it? Because you kind of saw it. Well, right I saw when it from, started, yeah. going back to like, oh, we're, you know, we're not spoiled on this. When we were on the Orient Express Even is when it started, was That's wasn't hilarious it? that yeah. we won that now. Yeah, but I remember it starting and I remember thinking this ain't going to go well. And But I did think there was a chance it would kind of go away if common sense prevailed. Unfortunately, common sense did not prevail, did it? And no, so, so um, for those of you that don't know the story, there is a whole episode on it. But basically, somebody wrote some lies about me online and they were really, really damaging. And 
we found out about it when we were traveling together for Sam's 50th birthday on the Orient Express. So it was kind of cut short a bit because I got this, I got hundreds of messages from people saying, oh my God, have you seen how many people have responded to this? And it was just a horrible time. And I think people maybe don't really see that side of it. Like you get to see everything. So I'm quite strong online, yeah. I think. And I try and be brave online and show people that it doesn't have to affect you. But it, it did affect me. I think it's a good thing and a bad thing for you. You're very pragmatic. You're very practical. And But what you are still is emotional. But I don't think people often see that or understand that because of this practical, pragmatic, thoughtful, logical woman that they see in on, on the online world. Um, but I see what goes on behind the scenes. And, and sometimes it's tough for me as well, because in my old fashioned husband hat on, I know what I would like to do to these people. But obviously, <laughs> A, you don't need me to, and B, that's not how the world works. No. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but you, you did what you always do, which is you were persistent. You did the right thing. You did the thing with integrity. Um, you did the ethical thing. To, to get the right result. And that's what I will always try yeah, and absolutely. do. But yeah, it was an interesting ride and we learned a lot from it. And it was very weird to be in the newspapers about such a weird thing. Especially when you got packed with such a, not the, hang on, not the greatest photo of you ever taken. It wasn't the greatest photo. I mean, I love you. I think you're beautiful, but it, it wasn't <laughs> the greatest photo ever taken. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we went through that. We've been through a lot in the last year. Yeah, we tend to just crack on, don't we? We do. And now we're... When we moved into the house and we were unpacked, everything done within a a weekend. It was a weekend and everything was sorted. And most of our mates are saying, I've been in my house for six years and I've still got boxes unpacked. Well, we've been here for three weeks now and I feel like we've lived here forever. Everything's done. And the other thing that we've been doing, this has been a hard bit. So we decided to homeschool the boys for three months because we left the old school and then move into secondary school in September. So it just seemed a bit pointless just to keep them at school for SATs. Like then they don't need the SATs now because of the school they're going to. And so we were like, well, we'll just homeschool them. We'll get a tutor for three hours in the morning. And I had this little idyllic view of how that would be. And then in the afternoon they could play while we work. It's harder than I thought. It is hard. I mean, let's be blunt about it they're with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, apart from the weekend in between when I go to their dads. And it is tough. I had this idyllic view like you that in the afternoon, they'd be going out on nature trails (laughs) and, you know, making up games together in the garden. Basically what we get is either they're on the PlayStation or they're arguing with each other or both or at the same time, both actually. Yeah. As it was today. As it was today. It Um, is tough. I found it much more tough than I thought I would. I have a lot more respect for people that homeschool their kids now. And we've both got to work and I've got more work coming through the business now than perhaps I had before. And they're 11 years old and they're not that great at entertaining themselves. So (laughs) regularly I get one peeping his head around the door saying, will you play football with me? And I have to say no. And, you know, it is tough, but I'm sure like everything, we'll we'll find a pattern and, and you know, going away for a few weeks in the summer will help. Yeah, Finian, one of my twins is coming with me on my retreat to New York because he wants to learn about business. So we're going to separate them for the first time in their lives. And Sam is going to have Albert here and I'm going to take Finian. I think there's a whole series of podcasts about me and Albert. <laughs> Just me and Albert in the house for five days or whatever it is. <laughs> That's going to be funny. Albert, yeah. Yeah, for, you might not, those of you who don't know Albert, he's a very entertaining 
kid, but he's also quite a demanding kid. <laughs> so yeah, that will be good. But yeah, like everything, like the, the truth of all of this is, yes, it's been a difficult year. Yes, it's been an amazing year too. Um, as life is, it's always a roller coaster. But what's made it work is how tight knit we are. Because we always say at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter how hard it's been. We always have each other. Yeah. And we come back to that. We are very lucky. I don't know, is it luck? Is it just my devilish charm that won you over so it was always going to be? I think it was luck. Yeah, luck, <laughs> it, it happened at the right time. Um, if we'd have met 20 years before when I had ginger curly hair. I did not look good 20 years You didn't years look before. great either. So we've met at the best time. And yeah, I mean... It, I can't believe we've been together 10 years either, which is crazy. A decade. Crazy. A decade. People told us it would only last three they months because we were too different from each yeah. other. Yeah. And when I look back at the photos and we look like little babies. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. And that's what keeps us going, really. I think when things get tough, we always come back to that, that we have each other. And if you have somebody like that, that you know that you can, there's always going to be that person you can always rely on and tell everything to. I think it makes a massive difference. And there's been times in my life I haven't had that. And I've thought, even when I've been married before, I haven't had that. And I think, you know, I always thought that that's what life was like and that you have to kind of settle for that because that's just what life is like. Like most husbands and wives don't really like each other, do they? Is what I was told. But to see this different side and know that actually it could be amazing and you can be such a brilliant team together and just everything is better when there's a person that you can offload to and who can encourage you and who is really supportive. And I think that's important. And I think everyone needs that in whatever that looks like to them. Yeah, massively important. But just to add to that, acknowledging that and being grateful for that without getting all woo on you, but a, <laughs> a little bit of gratitude every day for something goes a long way. It doesn't matter what it is. It could just be a little thing. It could be a sunny I mean, I know that's far-fetched at the moment, but it could be that it's sunny. It could be, I don't know, that you, you've spent five minutes doing something together in the morning that you've really enjoyed. Um, we had a day where that was really difficult. The day before Christmas, we came home to find our garage with all of our belongings that we were storing in it because we were about to move house, flooded. We lost everything. And that was a really, really difficult day because it wasn't the things that were expensive i lost that yellow prada coat that i just told you about that was gone there were lots and lots of things like thousands and thousands of pounds worth of stuff that was gone and my insurance didn't cover it because we couldn't show the damage because it was all just mush um but the hardest bit was we lost i lost all the photos of the kids when they were little i lost their baby books I lost all the books from their nursery. Sam lost... I had stuff from my mum and dad who aren't here anymore. Yeah. Stuff of my kids who I haven't seen for 10 years. So, But when we, when we sat down and we ordered a takeaway and... Well, we'd uh, all cried and screamed. We'd all had our meltdown. Um, it was still just stuff. Yeah. Sentimental stuff or not, it's still just stuff. No one died. No one got hurt. And that's know. how we looked at it. And we tried to... We did what we... Preach. We practice what we preach and we sat down and, and said, what are we it. grateful for? And we did it with the boys. What are they grateful yeah. for? And that makes everything better. So, yeah, do definitely try and do that. I think we've we've kept you longer than we wanted to yeah. on this episode. Yeah, sorry. I never do episodes this long. It's your fault. You should chat I did. Me? I, I think this could have been five times as long easily. 
Yeah. Um, Let us know if you want more episodes with Sam in because it's the easiest ones I oh, can do. He's you. always here. We might as well just stick the mic on when we're walking around the house one day. It'll be the same result. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope that's been enough of an update for you on life in our house in the last year. Um, I will continue to try and bring you brilliant guests. We don't have a lot of guests on that are, you know, really huge and everyone knows who they are because I think the best stories are those unheard stories that you don't hear about people who have done extraordinary things and people who are doing amazing things and have got over big bits of adversity that are doing big things now. And they're going to be the people that I continue to bring to you. But yeah, let, let us know what you want to hear in the next hundred episodes. Now that we've got to a hundred and if you haven't subscribed, I'd love you to subscribe and leave a review. You get reviews at the beginning of a podcast and then you don't get any anymore. And I'd love to see what you're still thinking about it. So please do that. And I'll be back here next week, as always, with another episode. So we'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.